and to our scripture reading this morning. Father, I thank you so much for bringing us here. I ask that you open our ears to hear, that you open our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning, that we will walk out of here knowing you more with love and with transformation. In your holy and precious name, amen. So this morning we are going to start in 2 Corinthians 11, if you want to go ahead and find that in the Pew Bible or in your own. And we are going to start, it's a little awkward, we're going to do 11 and then we're doing 21, but we're, we're starting at the, the break. So it's 21B, if that helps you. And it starts like this. What anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to be talking like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast in the things that show my weakness. This is the word of the Lord. It had been a long day as Jesus and his disciples walked down to the water. Seeing a boat, they climb in and they immediately get to work. They're going to cross the water. But Jesus, seeing a cushion in the back, he goes and he lays down on this cushion and he falls fast asleep. His disciples, though, they knew what to do. They knew the boat, they knew the water, they knew exactly what to do because many of them had grown up on the water. They were fishermen. Their fathers had been fishermen. Their fathers before that had been fishermen. And they knew how to do this. It was like riding a bike. So they make good time. They get off into the middle of the lake. And then, out of nowhere, suddenly, they see the storm clouds. And they are rushing in fast. They are black and they are furious. And they think, we know what to do. So they gauge the wind and they start to try to ride it out towards land. But as soon as they point their boat in the direction of land, they all of a sudden realize that this wind is ferocious, so much so that they have to pull down their sails. So they quickly get their sails down. And as soon as they do, they then notice the waves. 
And these waves, they were churning, and they were big, and they were monstrous, and they began to overcome the sides of the boat. But they knew what to do. They grabbed their buckets. And as they grabbed their buckets, they started bucketing this water out, one bucket at a time. And as this bucket of water went out, about three buckets of water came back in. It didn't take them long to realize that this was a losing battle. But they kept at it, and they tried harder, and they worked faster, but they realized there came a point when they said, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. We are going to drown. And with terror in their eyes, they looked at each other, and they thought, this is it. We are drowning. This boat is going under, and I am going under with it, and so are you. But then they remembered that he was sleeping in the back of the boat. They trudge through the water. They have terror in their eyes. They're dripping wet, and they shake him awake, and they say, don't you care that we're drowning? And he sits up. He rubs his eyes, and he looks around, and he says to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have so little faith? And then the most amazing thing happens. He stands up and he says to the wind, quiet. And he says to the waves, be still. And everything went completely calm. And the disciples, they looked at each other in terror and said, who is this that we are traveling with? That he can command the wind and the waves. I don't know about you, but when I hear this story and I hear about these waves and this drowning, I think of this world, right? Maybe you can relate to the disciples. Maybe right now you feel like you're drowning. Maybe we're walking into a new year, but there's tread or sadness or or there's grief right now, and you feel like you're drowning a little bit. This storm that they were facing was unlike any storm they had ever experienced. It was not your typical storm. So this story, although it's short, is found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. So it was in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But the author of Matthew, he describes the story in a way that is like no other in the entire Bible. He uses a word to describe it that is never used to describe a storm. It's called megas seismos. Now, He uses this phrase one other time in his book. At the very end, the angel of the Lord comes down from heaven and there is a giant earthquake. And then the tombstone is rolled away. He knows how to use the word storm, but instead he chooses to use the word earthquake to describe the storm. Being a Californian, I can relate to that. I understand what it's like to live through an earthquake. I remember the 89 earthquake. I'm a Northern Californian. And he uses this word because it's a shaking. It's a violent shaking of everything they knew. They were comfortable in the boat. They were comfortable on the water. And yet he used their comfort zone to shake it and everything was falling apart. 
Maybe you feel like your comfort zones right now are being shaken. And maybe right now you need to hear what the Lord has for us with the rest of this. And I'm going to be really honest. I didn't like this story for a really long time. I didn't like the story about the storm and Jesus because you know what? I thought it made Jesus look really mean. I thought it made it look like he didn't care. Instead of saying to them, uh, well, you know, I'll take care of it, guys. I gotcha. He, he didn't comfort them, right? He said, why are you so afraid? It sounded like he was criticizing them. And maybe right now you're going to Jesus and you're saying, don't you care that I'm drowning? And you feel like he's saying, well, you don't have enough faith. And I grappled with this for a really, really long time, you guys. I did not like the story because I didn't like how Jesus looked. But as I grappled with it with the Lord, he said to me, you're asking the wrong questions, Angela. The question isn't whether Jesus was mean or not. It's not whether he cared or not. He was in the boat traveling with them. He is the one that came down and was sleeping in the boat with them in the biggest storm of their life. He was with them. That's not the question that you should be asking. The question that you should be asking is how, what did Jesus see? How was he able to sleep in the boat? What did he see that they did not? And when I started to grapple with that question, things began to change for me. I began to see a different reality and that Jesus wasn't being mean. He was actually inviting them into a different perspective. He was inviting them in to look at the problems in a different way. And so that's what we're going to explore this morning. So in the morning, as we started this, this reading our verses, right, we read about Paul. I would like to say Paul suffered quite a bit. Wouldn't you agree? He ultimately was martyred for his faith. They think that he was beheaded, possibly by Nero, in the Colosseum maybe even, I don't know. But he was shipwrecked three times. He floated an open ocean for almost two days. He received 39 lashes five separate times. Do you know that people died from just one of those beatings sometimes? He was beaten with rods. He was in riots. He was persecuted. He was hated. He was hungry. He was stoned. They tried to put him to death by stoning him. And yet, he kept going. He kept going and going and going until it finally got him killed. How did he do it? The disciples, they didn't understand yet until after Jesus died and rose again what Paul understood here. Paul understood a few things, and he teaches us how to see like Jesus did. The first thing that he knew is that he knew his identity. He knew who his father was, and he knew who he was to his father. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He knew that he was not the old person. He is a new creation in Christ. Secondly, he talks about having a transformed mind. So it says, if, it says don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transforming in Greek is metamorphosis. So what do we think of when we hear metamorphosis? Caterpillars and butterflies, right? So 
A caterpillar is beautiful in its own right, but its ultimate reality is that it is to become a butterfly, correct? So it goes through this process of change, kind of like us. When we come into Christ, we go through this process of change and we become a new creation in Christ. What Paul is saying when he's talking about the transforming of our mind, that's totally different. It's like the caterpillar that became the butterfly, and then the butterfly is still thinking like the caterpillar. What if the butterfly acted like the caterpillar and thought like the caterpillar and crawled around in the ground in the mud like the caterpillar, but it's really this beautiful butterfly that can totally fly? It's beautiful. It has a different purpose. It has a different reality, and yet it's still acting in the same way. Paul is saying that we need to transform our thinking to align it with who we actually are in this kingdom reality. He continues on and he says, we now, our journey is to align our lives with who we actually are. And I have an example, and you're going to have to bear with me because I like props, kind of like Pastor Stephen. Um, I'm not going to put the tie on because I'll mess up a whole bunch of things. But there's this guy, maybe you've heard of him. His name is Clark Kent. Anybody? Okay, great. Okay. So he has glasses, right? And he has a tie. We're just going to pretend like that's on. And, you know, he works at this newspaper, and he's kind of timid and a little shy, and um, he loves pining after this woman named Lois Lane. And he's not very noticeable, right? Great guy, but not very noticeable. But he has this secret, doesn't he? He goes and he sneaks into a phone, a phone booth. How many of you know what a phone booth is? Okay, great. Okay. And what does he do? He tears off his glasses and he tears off his tie and he tears off his clothes. I won't do that. And he has underneath all of that what? His spandex. Okay? And he's got, oh, wait, we got his, he's got something else. He's got his cape, right? I won't put this on either because I'll mess up my mic. Okay, he's got his cape on, and he's got his outfit on. And in that place, he's able to do what? He can fly, correct? He's a totally different person. He's confident. He gets Lois Lane as Superman. And he is so amazing, and everybody's in awe of him. Imagine if he continued to just walk around like Clark Kent for the rest of his life, all the while having his outfit on underneath his clothes and his glasses on and his tie on, but he never walks into the reality of being Superman. Paul is saying, we have the opportunity. We are already that butterfly. We are already Superman. And now our job is to walk into that new reality and align our thinking with who we actually are in Christ. It's not easy, though, is it? And so Paul, he gives us another way of saying things, I guess, another key to this, how do we do this, right? Because it's easy to say, oh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what does that practically look like? That's a hard thing to think about or to even walk out. So how did he do it? How do we do it? How did he sustain all of this suffering? And, and how do we do the same thing? Well, he takes it further, and he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, he says, so we do not, well, no, back up. 
Hold on. Let me pull it out. I'd rather read it anyway. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. And the word in Greek for wasting away is passing away. Though we are dying in a way is what it's saying. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen because what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Would you guys classify his problems as light and momentary? How about getting beaten five times? I don't consider that pretty light, do you? No. And yet he's saying, here's the key, you guys. You are a new creation in Christ. Now let's align our thinking with who you actually are in the Lord. And now let's focus on something different. It reminds me of another story about focus, right? Remember when Peter was in the boat with his disciple, with the, with the friends, okay? With Jesus' disciples were in another boat. Let's put it that way. And Jesus is sitting on land, and he's praying, and he's watching them struggle at the oars. And at the third watch of the night, what does he do? He gets up, and he starts walking on water to go and visit them. And as he's walking there, he's like, I'm going to just, like, pass them up. It'll be okay. And they're like, oh, my goodness, it's a ghost. <laughs> and they freak out. And so they see him walking, and they think he's a ghost. And then Peter's like, he's kind of brave. He's like, hey, Jesus, if it's you, call me out to you so that I can walk on the water too. He's like, come. So he climbs up over the side of the boat, and he puts his foot down. And he starts to walk, right? And as he's focused on Jesus, he's able to walk on water. But then out of nowhere, he decides to look at the waves around him. And what does he do? He begins to sink. So much so that Jesus had to pull him back up, right? Paul is saying the same thing. He's saying focus on the unseen. Focus on Jesus. So how do we do that? I have another prop. It's so exciting. Okay, anybody know what this is? Bringing out a lot of retro things today, aren't I? Okay. This is a radio. This is my son's radio. I stole it from him. So thank you, Caleb. Um, I'm not going to turn it on to show you my example because who knows what we'll get. But let's pretend for a moment that we are on an AM station. Now, when we turn to those AM stations, a lot of times, what do we hear? Anybody know? Sports or static. <laughs> All right, so we hear a lot of static oftentimes. And it's kind of like we are like this radio. And we have one of two options. We can either listen to the static and the noise, and, the, and it's honestly, static's a little painful after a while, right? It's annoying, and it, right, it like grips you, and it's just, oh, I don't like it. Do you guys like static? No. Okay, so you have the static, but then you have the option to turn your dial. My dial is on top. And turn it a couple of clicks, and then what happens? You have music, and it can be beautiful and uplifting, and it can nourish your soul. 
It's kind of like we are like this radio. We have an opportunity every moment of the day to align our thinking, to align our thoughts, to align our focus on either the static and the noise or on a kingdom channel. And in that frequency, we hear peace and joy and rest and love. And it's here that we can learn to fly. So how do we do this? Well, let's go further. I know of two ways. But since we're walking into a new year, I'm going to add a third. Happy New Year, by the way. We've just walked into 2022. Can you believe it? And as we do that, it is a great opportunity to sit down with the Lord and evaluate where you're at with him. Have you done that recently? If you haven't, this is not a message of guilt, and this is not a message of judgment. This is not a message of you should have done this, or you should be further along in your journey, or you should anything. This is a message of encouragement. You have an opportunity to sit with the Lord today, and you get to spend some time with him, and you get to say, Lord, what does our relationship look like? Do I need to grow some more? Maybe I'm not spending any time with you. Okay, you know what? That's all right. Today's a good day to start. Do I need to talk to you more? Do I need to listen to you more? Am I obeying you the way that you've told me to? Are there things I need to confess? Are there things I need to get rid of? Are there things that I need to do that I'm not doing, Lord? Today is a great day to evaluate your relationship with the Lord. And that is an encouragement I really want to encourage you to do. And I would say even get a pad of paper and take some notes. What is he saying to you? For those of you that have, anybody here have a friend or a spouse? Nobody? Okay. Oh, I see a few people. Okay. Well, I'm so glad. There's a couple of you that are married or that have spouses or friends or anything. Okay. If you were to look at your relationship with the Lord in the lens of your relationship with your best friend, would it measure up? Do you need to work on it maybe a little bit? How? How do you need to work on it? How do you grow it? How do you do it better, right? Again, not judgment, encouragement. So the next way that I know that we can align our thinking, that we can focus on the unseen, is we pray. Sounds really kind of boring, doesn't it? But no, it's exciting, right? Because prayer is communication, and every good relationship requires communication. It requires both talking and listening. We need to talk to the Lord. Tell him about your day. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him about your fears. Tell him what is bothering you. When you're on the road with Pastor Stephen, pray even more. I'm just kidding. But not. This was going to be a whole message on being unoffendable, but that's okay. We're not going to do that. No, but in all seriousness, pray, talk to the Lord. What can he say to you? He wants to hear from you. It reminds me of a story. In the beginning of Genesis, we see God who created this beautiful garden. And he placed Adam and Eve in the garden. And in the cool of the day, he would show up to walk and talk with them. And I love that Pastor Stephen read Isaiah, where he calls us by name, because he called them by name. He said, Adam, Eve, 
where are you? And today he is calling to you and he is saying your name. Where are you? Come, walk with me. Talk with me. Spend some time with me. I have some things to talk to you about. I want to teach you a few things. Come and join me for a little while. And it's an invitation that he issues every single day and invites us into, not because it's a thing to check off of our to-do list, but because he wants relationship with us. Isn't that why he came? He came down to live with us, to live in us, for us to abide in him and grow in him. And he is inviting us to walk with him. Maybe this year, the one thing that you change is that you walk with him a little more. The next thing that we need to do is we need to spend time in the word. This isn't just your ordinary book. It's magical. It's powerful. God, he creates with words. In the beginning, God said, let there be light and there was light. He is the God who calls things into existence that do not exist. He creates with words. It says his word is alive and active. It says in Ephesians 6, when it talks about the full armor of God, it says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus did battle with Satan in the desert with scripture. We are invited to hear his words, his promises, all of the things that he has spoken over us and invited in to learn more about him. We get to talk to him and walk with him and learn about him. And this reminds me of Jesus saying, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and I will give you rest for your souls. I love that for you to wear a yoke, typically it's with two oxen. Jesus is saying, walk with me, journey with me, learn from me, let me do life with you, abide in me, grow in me, and in that place, I will do an amazing transformation in your life, in your mind. I would like to say, that our growth, our transformation, even our joy or our rest or our peace, all of these good gifts are proportional. They are equivalent to the amount of intentional time we spend with the Lord. I think I need to repeat that. Our transformation, our ability to handle life's problems is proportional to the amount of intentional quality time we spend with the Lord. Again, not judgment, an opportunity. Today we have the opportunity to come and sit with the Lord, to walk with him, to learn about him, to talk to him, so that we can be greater transformed, so that we can rise above the storm clouds, above all the problems, so that we can exist in joy and love more. Friends, it's a new year, and this is a new opportunity. So, I'm going to leave you with Jesus' words. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. 
in this world, you will have troubles. But take heart. I have overcome the world this year. Journey with the one who overcame the world, the one who calms the storms, the one who desires to walk with you. I think we're going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for coming down and dwelling amongst us. Thank you for saving us, for helping us to become a new creation in you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to journey with you, to transform our minds so that we can become more like you. Father, I ask that you will bless us in this journey, that you will help us in it, that you will teach us your ways so that we may walk in your truth because you love us, Lord. I thank you and praise you for all these things. And as we go forth, Lord, I ask that you will just come and you will nurture these words in our hearts so that we can build our relationship with you. In your holy and precious name, amen.